Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Corder. I'm Alex Argo. And I'm Alex Robinson. This is episode 47. So, uh, you guys have an interesting story, I hear. Yeah, well, uh, from time to time, I, uh, I go work from uh, Alex's office where he has his company just to change things up a little bit. And I was doing this new cool thing with uh, Parse uh, where you can like have this node server built in with your Parse. I was just doing like this admin tool to keep track of some things. Uh, and they were actually looking at some other things with, with uh, Parse trying to get some stuff working. I'm like, oh no, you can do it this way or whatever. So, I don't know, what, what, what was your description of of that event alex that sound about right or yeah yeah we were i i think we were looking at using the cloud code with parse but it's kind of limited what you can do and bringing in different modules from node uh, is kind of tricky if even possible uh, but you know what you showed was you you can basically host an express app on parse and still have access to everything else in parse so is kind of nice that you know with parse you've got like this real easy WYSIWYG kind of functionality with simple cloud code for uh, tiny little uh, uh, chunks of logic but or you can just run a full express server on top of node or on top of uh, parse so that was kind of exciting to see that it had that kind of flexibility and the great thing about it being an express app is you can host that pretty much anywhere. Yeah, it's a pretty nifty feature that Parse has right now. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Parse is one of those tools that it it has very low cost of entry, um, both in terms of uh, effort and price. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, th- I think it's somewhere around a million API requests, depending on, you know, when you look at the terms. But... Uh, before you start paying otherwise it's free and they've got SDKs for iOS and Android and JavaScript so you know for a startup or a company that has little to no IT staff to support a a rich back-end server Parse gives you a lot of functionality for for not a lot of effort and you even took all that cool information and Ended up recommending it to a client, right? Yeah. So on, uh, I believe it was Thursday morning, and we were in a meeting with a client talking about putting this relatively small piece of logic on Parse to make their lives easier. And you know, a lot of these backends as a service have kind of come and gone. So you know, Parse was attractive because it, it's owned by Facebook, so funding theoretically is not an issue. Uh, it's not going to get acquired, which we've seen that happen several times before, where one of these small, uh, smaller uh, VC-funded startups get acquired by a big company, mostly for talent and shut down. Uh, right. So we didn't want to be in, in a position where uh, our client was going to have this great back-end service and have it shut down. Um, for one reason or another. So, you know, there's no guarantees in life, as we found out <laughs> yeah. that yeah. very same day. The hammer fell down. 
Yeah, so kind of fell right on your foot in a way. Right? Yep, that that afternoon, Pars announced that they were moving on and going to shut down the service. Yeah, and at first I was like, "Why is this actually happening?" Maybe I was going through like the the what is it the stages, the of seven grief. steps of grief or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I was like in disbelief. Yeah. I'm like, "All right, so they're they just released this new like uh, beta." um like dashboard which was one of the coolest things about parse it was super simple easy to use and all that stuff yeah you didn't have to write sql or anything so like a non-technical person can go in there and see kind of a spreadsheet style yeah. look of their data yeah and really kind of yeah. powerful but they're concept. testing a new version of that they're i mean there it seems like they're they keep adding stuff a couple months ago they added the ability to to host your cloud code on Heroku, which maybe should have been a, a warning sign in retrospect. <laughs> I like, think the oh, first thing I did, first thing I did when I checked, when I saw that message is I checked my calendar to see if it was April yet. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems like they're shutting them down because when they acquired Parse, it was like, hey, this could be a a growth opportunity. This is This could be a big... Uh, industry and they had just gone public, I think, and their stock wasn't doing very well. And Google and Microsoft and a few other players out there had their cloud computing solutions. So, you know, Facebook had to have one too. Yeah, but for whatever reason, it seems like uh, Facebook's mobile profits have like exploded in the past year or two, and they they're feeling that. It's just so profitable right now. They need to focus on that and not focus on some things like Parse. And they decided to close it down as the best I can figure out. Do you guys have any other explanation for why they're shutting down? Or Well, nothing official, of course. But you know, you guys remember the Facebook phone that was supposed to come out? And it did come out, didn't it? It came out. Or at least it was pro prototyped. Well, it was more just the interface you could download and put onto Android. Well, they had a phone that you could buy that was like a HTC phone, I think, and it would it had that software built into it, and like that was the default, like a launcher. They had a launcher with all this Facebook stuff in it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, but that never went anywhere. No, it didn't do it good. Yeah. So I think maybe they're just kind of casting about and trying to figure out what to do, and then. Decided, well, we're not going to be a phone company anymore. We're not going to deal with all this hardware, which might be a bad thing for Oculus. You know, they could be next. I think they're in more of a wait and see mode. I, we'll, we'll have to see. I, I, I can't foresee them just shutting Oculus down. They, they paid two <laughs> like billion dollars for them versus, uh, I think Parse was like tens of millions, which is a lot different, but. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. VR that. right now is a very hot topic. Yeah. Tim Cook even says it's cool. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He knows what's cool. Well, it's funny because if it were Steve Jobs and Apple was working on something VR related, he'd be like, oh, it's a giant gimmick. It's the dumbest thing ever. And then two years later, he'd be like, and now we have iVR. Check it out. It's the coolest <laughs> thing ever. But Tim Cook dunks things a little differently, I guess. Anyways, back to... Yeah. Yeah, I... I think most of what I've read, you know, similar um, guesses on the internet have been, it's more about the focus and, and now that so much of their profits are coming from the Facebook and, I, and a good percentage of that, of that is mobile. They 
who want to focus their engineering power on uh, on that part of the business where Parse is, you know, probably less than one percent of their customer base. Customer base and number of u- number of users on the and platform. money. Yeah. Well, they essentially slashed the, any kind of profit they were making up out of Parse a couple of years ago when they lowered the price to such a drastically low level. Yeah. Yeah. It was essentially free unless actually it was free unless you needed more than like, I don't know, like a hundred requests a second or 30 requests a second or something like that, which seems like it would definitely be a lot of requests a second, but yeah. Yeah. And I, I think there was like a million API requests a month that you could have. And, and they even got rid of that limit. Maybe. Number of pushes were, was a very high number. So like, you know, for us, it, it was, if you're a startup, you know, why not do parse, you know, no infrastructure costs, you get a, a nice little tool for doing push notifications. You got a nice data store, uh, easily integrated into a mobile app. Um, you know, we would probably recommend not using anything completely proprietary in the app to parse, you know, you could use the rest API instead of the SDK that keep you somewhat independent of parse. But, yeah. uh, you know, we at the same time would say when you're successful and you start getting into that pay tier with Parse, you might want, want to think about re-architecting and moving on to your own environment. Yeah, I think that uh, I saw some tweets from people who were in Y Combinator and they're like, wow, well, that just like screwed everyone's in this class of Y Combinator <laughs> up because... It, it seems like Parse is a great tool to prototype on, like Alex is saying. Uh, but it sounds like once you get past a certain size in Parse, it's it's pretty obvious that you need to migrate to something different and more robust. But yeah, it's great for just that early stage anything. We know a decent number of indie developers that have some level of functionality built on Parse mm-hmm. in their apps that are doing quite well. Uh, we've also used Parse for some, or you have, with some charity apps, yep. nonprofits, mm-hmm. um, with the. The one bright side to this for me is one of my competitors, one of my stronger competitors uh, in my app space. Uh, I think they use a lot of Parse. They have like a jobs page which has a screenshot of someone's cloud code on the monitor. So Aww. I was like, oh. I guess that's good for me. <laughs> but so, I mean, a lot of us have some exposure to Parse. What What do you guys think you do? I saw this tweet that was like, so if you were, uh, what was the first one that go down? Uh, Stack, Stack mob, mob. And then uh, Dropbox data store API user. And then uh, you migrated to Parse after that. After going through all those, you're... You're at the liquor store right now. Like, what? What? What is next? <laughs> After we figure out like what's going on, we've gone through our stages of grief. <laughs> what's next? Well, I think pretty much assuming at this point that any place you go is has the potential of getting shut down for one reason or another. Um, you know, a friend of ours was on Stack Mob, and they they got they shut, shut down, down, so they moved to a small company. And they've been on on that platform for well over a year, and they really like it because the the company is extremely responsive to them. So if they ever need anything, 
um, you know, they can get the owner of the company on the phone and, and get something done, yeah. which so I think it, it makes so, you wonder too, <laughs> if, uh, if it's that small of a company is, is that good for your business as well? But the other argument for yeah. those types of companies is like, Hey, the main thing we're doing is, uh, we're making a backend as a service. So we're not going to have the, the issue that Facebook decided to shut us down because it wasn't enough of a percentage of our profits or our potential future growth. So, yeah, I think having a clear business model that is about making you successful is a good thing. Now, the alternative is you can just find some sort of cloud hosting and build your own backend. Well, Parse did open source, not their code specifically, but a a Parse server that runs on Node.js. Yeah, it was a while back they open sourced the client side SDK. Yeah. And now they've open sourced the other end of that. So it's a an express app that adheres to the API spec. So you can so if you have to move off of Parse, you can pretty much go anywhere where you can host Express, like Heroku or Amazon web services. Yeah, you need Express right. in a MongoDB database. Yeah, and they've got a, a good tutorial on how to set up that environment. So you can get a lot of that same functionality that you had before and not necessarily change much, if anything, about your app. There are some missing pieces to that thing. Right. Like, there is no admin client. Yeah, which was one of the... Reason. Yeah. It was one of the... One of the more compelling parts of Parse is the the nice GUI admin, mm-hmm. right? It, this this is a stopgap. I think it's really just the first step, and then the code is out there. The community can pick up and contribute to an actual admin interface. I think that's the way Parse is looking at it. And I think yeah. some of the Facebook people want to want to do stuff too. Want to help out? Seems like they have plans for for more stuff. But right now. I mean, the Parse server is very limited. There's some weird stuff in there. I was looking through some of the code, and there's like their thing that returns an object ID, just does this really bad algorithm to create a a random bunch of digits and numbers in a string, and it oh. doesn't even guarantee uniqueness right now. So I wonder if it was hmm. like a maybe like a test uh, thing that their developers used. Uh, that sounds like the way that Mongo generates its object IDs anyway, and all the all the clients are supposed to generate their IDs that way. Really? Okay, maybe that's a Mongo thing then. Yeah. It's a Mongo uses a twelve byte uh, field for the ID, and it's a uh, counting number, a, a counter combined with a timestamp and the process ID of the server that you're running under or client that you're running hmm. under. There is a comment in the code that said, this is probably unique, but not guaranteed. That's probably all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it's missing other things. The the push piece from Parse is missing. Um, yeah, and they actually and I, mentioned in the, on the GitHub page that if you want to contribute to building a push notification system, they're, they're happy to take pull requests. And I think another weird thing that's missing as well is ACLs, which also 
makes me think maybe it was like a development thing. They were like, all right, here's this. Go to town. Yeah, they've got yeah. basic authentication, but I don't know if they have any authorization rules. And I, I've dug through the code as well a little bit, and it is rather thin, which makes me think. And it's it's just the bare minimum of what you need to keep mm -hmm. running on parse or keep your clients running. Yeah, but it is a decent example of how to set up a little express app. Yeah, yeah, I think like as Alex said, going through those seven stages of grief, um, <laughs> you know, thinking a little bit more about it and having been burnt by multiple mobile backends as a service, you know, taking something like parse, maybe it's not parse, but something like it and running it on Heroku or, or somewhere else, you know, gives you a decent amount of flexibility to to move to wherever you need to and not be tied to any specific backend as a service provider. Well, you know, Google did say in the tweet that they're 100% behind Firebase. Yeah, it Just was interesting. You know, that came out very same day, same day. And, uh, you know, it makes me think of, you know, Firebase is next on the chopping block at that point. <laughs> it's like the kiss of death. Yeah, because I think Facebook said they're 100% behind. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was just right. right about two, I think, was it two years ago they acquired uh, Parse? And in that announcement, they said, you know, we promised that we're not going to shut it down. Yeah, it was April 2013, and a little extra follow-up, the amount was $85 million. So I hope they got their money back on that one. But, yeah, um... You know, if you, let's say you take an open source project that does uh, MBAS stuff, mobile backend as a service, and you still run the risk that that project will just run out of steam and there won't be any more contributors to it and you'll be stuck kind of holding the bag with a outdated software at some point that may have security holes in it. Yeah. I mean, you know, no matter how, which way you go, there's always some sort of compromise or risk you know is it worth putting in the time and effort to build your own when you can buy one off the shelf you know what's, what's better for you what's better for your business and that's that's a case-by-case -case decision and i think yeah. this is just another reminder that there's no guarantees well building a, a custom api is a bit easier than building a generic API like Parse. Oh yeah, absolutely. But then you, it would have been, it's still nice to, to have the admin interface that Parse gives you because then you, you still have to build that if you're writing your own custom API. Yeah, assuming you needed a administrative portal or user portal. Yeah, the, there's there's a pretty good chance of that, I would say, for most projects. Yeah. And I've got a feeling that's one of the things that the open source community is hopefully going to step in and and get out there pretty soon. One one thing that's nice is that we have a pretty generous uh, one year time frame to migrate to something. They're giving us a good good amount of time. I remember Stack Mob was like three months or six months or something like that, which like it's. It's like, you know, Apple, Apple normally, there's one time a year when 
it's like a wild card. You're, there's going to be some announcement, and you have to drop everything you're doing and do something different based on that announcement uh, for whatever happens at Dub Dub. Um, but yeah, with with this, this is like another time that that's happening for for people who use Parse or or use any of those other ones that have gone away. Yeah, there may be some people that are going to spend their Christmas break or Christmas holidays working overtime trying to finish this up for clients yeah. who waited for the last minute to try yeah. to switch off. Yeah, I think as far as this goes, this is probably one of the best shutting down of a service. You've got a fairly clear <laughs> migration path. You're so generous. Uh, it's the, you know, best, the uh, best of the worst yeah Mark yeah Zuckerberg. as far as what we've seen you know it's <laughs> this is one of the better you know shutdown processes migration processes you know you've got an open source option that you can take and host somewhere else um you've got a year to figure it out yeah but and then you know some ways it's a, a lot of small businesses have about a, six months to save up enough money to get their apps ported off of the if they're using it. Yeah. Or maybe just decide to pivot and shut down their apps. Yeah, and I, I think there's some folks out there that would argue that you know parse probably isn't used by very many large entities. Yeah. There's some uh anti parse comments. And and I I could see that being the case where the if you're really successful, you probably wouldn't be using Parse. And there was a move, uh, or is it is an attempt to try and keep Facebook from shutting it down. Uh, some folks created a petition on uh, change.org to try and convince Facebook to keep Parse running. I think at the time of the recording, it's still a fairly small number of people have signed it. But I think people are still finding out about the parse shutdown. <laughs> I like that the letter to Facebook just says, don't shut down parse.com. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Very clear and to the point. Yeah. It's one of those classic Steve Jobs emails. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think this is going to be very effective. There's, like you guys said, there's not many people who have signed it already. And it's it's not because they... I mean, it's not because they think people aren't going to get affected by it that they're shutting it down. It's it's because they need they feel like they need to focus elsewhere. So, like on React and all the other uh, open source libraries they have, <laughs> it makes me yeah. really want to use all those. <laughs> <laughs> well, Facebook definitely they they dog food that yeah, and it's open source, so already. Right. So someone could take it over if they needed to. They have, I think they have like a little foundation or something that kind of owns React, don't they? Well, React JS has a pretty strong community around it. Yeah, React Native is is a much smaller group, and they've got very little um, dog fooding internally. I mean, I think they have one or two apps that are using it now, but it's not their primary the, apps right. at this point. Well, I think the one that was using it, they discontinued. It was like the Rooms app, I thought. I thought it was groups or something. Groups. I don't even Facebook know what it, groups. I think. Yeah, I don't know what the app did, but well, rooms was like a thing for groups of people. It was like a group discussion thing. 
I wonder mm. if that's what it was. I don't know. But I, I could see Facebook dropping React Native if they decide it's not important to them. React.js, I think it's got a strong enough community around it. it. It can live beyond Facebook. React Native is still up in the air. And there's other things. They've got animation frameworks, which I think have, I really haven't heard anything about in over a year or two. I saw someone else using it on some Slack channel I'm in, which I'm in way too many, but that's a whole separate issue. <laughs> there is one important one that you're in, right? Yes, the shared instance Slack. You guys should go ahead and go to chat.sharedinstance.com <laughs> right now and join. And tell us that what you plan to do now that parse is shut down or if, if it impacts you at all. And speaking of you know, what to do next, there's uh, somebody created a GitHub page for listing out a number of alternatives, and that list continues to grow. Yeah, I've investigated some of the self-hosting ones that you can use. Uh, the one I looked at most that had the most promise was uh, BassBox. But for me, it just had some just some little things in the back of my head that said, I'm not really sure about this because it's really geared toward just having a single server. And I don't like that idea that my server could crash and die and then a lot of my data could go away because it doesn't really use an external database either. So I think whenever you're looking at these things, you're really going to have to investigate the source and the architecture that they're that they're taking but it was my favorite of the ones i found yeah i believe that was we looked at that about two years ago for a client and if i recall that was a java-based application using a java content repository uh it was using a thing called orient db as its back-end database which is a java Based database that can be embedded inside of an app server or run externally, but they're using an embedded version. And uh, OrientDB is kind of cool. It's a combination graph database and document database, but the, the BassBox people were only touching the surface on the, the graph part of the database. You, I think you could follow a user as, as the having a relationship with somebody else and that was about it at the time i looked at it so they, they hadn't really exposed the, the graph api part of it too well but there's plenty if you want to uh go in the hosted route though yeah and there's a wide variety uh, all with their different strengths and weaknesses some are very oriented towards you know databases some oriented towards notification and real-time syncing some um, some are a little bit more of a toolbox to build your own and it's the list keeps getting longer and longer there's probably a few dozen out there now yeah I mean parsed a lot of stuff and there's lots of things that do all of those various different pieces of of, of work or what whatever uh, all those different functions. Yeah. Um, How do you guys feel about Azure from Microsoft? I've heard nothing but good things about it, you know, especially on podcasts, but it's also <laughs> often when they are sponsoring the podcast. So, um, you know, we've 
we've run into some of the evangelists at different conferences uh, when they're out there speaking. I, on the surface, it looks really good. Um, I've looked pretty closely at it in the past, and you know, it, Microsoft has a pretty clear business model there with Azure. You know, you're paying you know for the service. Uh, there's a free tier, I believe, uh, but uh, it's got kind of that pay for what you use model like Amazon. You know, once you get past a certain threshold, and then you can combine and add additional tools. Um, you can use .NET or you can use Node. I, I think they've got something like Cloud Code where you can... Yeah, I think they're like Azure Mobile Services is like a Node-based thing that's kind of similar to what that Parse Cloud Code was. Yeah, to some degree, I think Azure might be one of the closest matches to what Parse gives you. In terms of functionality, but I mean, there's it's different. So it's it's a migration versus, I mean, I think there's a lot of companies who are like, hey, we're just going to be able to like have a one-click import. I think I've already seen one company announce it. Uh, and I'm sure over the next few months, there's going to be lots of companies who are trying to kind of take advantage of of the situation a lot of developers in and some consultants that are going to make a lot of money off of it too. Yeah, yeah. It's like Y2K, just for mobile apps. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I tried to find some numbers about how many apps are using Parse today. And the closest I found was uh, a number back in 2014, where they had about 246,000 apps using it. And uh, yeah, I also looked at Firebase, they have, I think, over 340,000 developers using Firebase. So I, I have to imagine there's hundreds developers of thousands. Or apps? Um, I or both? Think I'm guessing it was apps. It depends on how you look at it, I guess. I mean, technically, I'm Big. a developer using Parse. Yeah. But the only app I... I don't even really have an app in production other than that one that we did for the charity. Yeah, I mean, if you're announcing that, you announce the biggest number you can, which is the number of users that are signed up who have an app, or sorry, the number of apps that are created in their system. And in parts, that was just like you said, hey, I have an app, here's its name. And you may not have even used it. I don't know if that was active mm. apps or, or what, but I've got to imagine it's, they, they went for the biggest number they could. That right. was probably right before they got acquired. So yeah, and Firebase says they have 344,000 developers. Hmm. Okay. Which is a pretty big number. Yeah. That's because every Android developer automatically gets some kind of Firebase thing. <laughs> that, that could be true. There's more than 43,000 yeah. Android developers. <laughs> uh, I'm totally making this up. Yeah. yeah. One thing I think is interesting to point out, though, is people are just like, oh, it's going to suck to migrate to whatever. But if you are using a mobile backend of a service like Parse, um, probably the easiest migration, like the cheapest one, is to migrate to some other hosted thing with the open source stuff, whatever that that whole package is, you know, a year from now or some hopefully sometime before then. And that means you probably now have to think about, like, scaling and uh, how many database instances do you need and... Uh, backup and all that stuff whereas like it just worked it was a 
Right. It was this magical thing that happened. You didn't have to manage it, but unless it's like, if you're doing the simplest migration possible, which like to Firebase, that's probably not going to be, oh. you're, you're probably going to migrate it and then. Yeah, Firebase isn't going to work for you if you're, if you've got custom logic like cloud code or an express server. And maybe a lot of these people will also have like their own parse API and that'll ease some of the pain probably. Yeah. But so, I mean, like if you were to take, go from parse to Heroku with the open source parse server, um, you're still, you know, you might be able to get your parse server up and running in an hour or so, but then you've got to figure out how many dynos do you need? You got to mm -hmm. set up Mongo lab and I'm sure there's a fee for Mongo hosting. So you might have been free before, but if you want your app to always be awake, so you have good performance, uh, you're probably going to be spending, you know, maybe it's ten, twenty dollars a month to start. But yeah, and I think the free Mongo Lab has a very small amount of data that it can store before you have to start paying. So yeah, it, I think it mm -hmm. might jump up fairly quickly. And Heroku, the the app will be. You will go to sleep if it's not mm -hmm. recently used. So, for it's like an order of magnitude more complexity. I guess is yeah. what I'm getting at, though. That like you have to think about and know what to do with now. Yeah, you've got it. Really you got to put that DevOps hat on, and you know yeah. you really just want to focus on your app development. Now you got to think yeah. about server side problems that you didn't have to think about before, and you know, you know keeping. Keeping up to date with Mongo Lab, setting up backups. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what you get out of the box with Mongo Lab for backups, but now you've got to think about that, and you didn't have to think about that with Parse before. Yeah, I think like people are keep talking about oh, how bad it's going to be transition, but uh, that that long tail of what to do afterwards is. <laughs> going to be the killer part for anyone who who's using it on like a serious app i think yeah and with mongo it's usually not so much of a having a backup solution as it is having a lot of redundancy mm -hmm. so a lot of times people run into trouble with mongo because they set it up on a single server instance and something wrong happened to that instance and their data is corrupt so you really need two Mongo instances replicating back and forth for any kind of safety. Mm -hmm. But yeah, these are DevOps things that people have to worry about now. Yeah. Parse was like, oh, there's magical data. You didn't even know it was <laughs> Mongo, potentially. Yeah, right. Not it was been pretty Mongo, obvious right? by the API. I think it was. It was Mongo. And they started out in Ruby. It's a, I think it was a Ruby on Rails app. And that got too slow and overwhelming, so they started to migrate over to Go, I believe. Go custom front, custom backend in Go. Yeah, I wonder what parts of the current parse is, is actually Node and what parts are, are the Go stuff. And yeah, I wonder if that's the reason it wasn't open source, because if you give them, oh, here's this Node thing and here's this Go thing as well, that becomes a giant pain to to try to migrate. Maybe they're trying to come up with something that's a little easier. I don't know. Well, even just here's this go thing. <laughs> People are going to go, uh, <laughs> go where? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So 
Firebase and Azure, the two biggest ones out there probably at this point. And there's and, a few players out there like Kenvi was one of the early ones on the scene. I think they might have been a y, y Combinator company, or they they were at least one of the. They came out about the same time as Stack Mob and and maybe about the same time as Parse, mm-hmm. and they're still out there kicking. There's a lot of new ones as well. A lot of them are focused on enterprise apps more so than consumer apps. There's some that are game engine specific, and they have things like leaderboards and um, managing uh, multiplayer games. Yeah, I think a lot of them, because they were being eclipsed by Parse and Stack Mob in the early days, they had to differentiate themselves, and, and games were always seen as a high profit center. And like you said, it's it's hard to build a one size fits all generic solution to a problem like this, you know. If so, everybody's got a slightly different take. And even with Parse, you had to make compromises and work the way Parse works. Oh yeah, um, the it was very easy to get into a situation in your app with Parse where to get something done, you're having to make multiple API calls in one little operation mm-hmm. and so in a lot of cases it would quickly become unwield- unwieldy if you had a lot of logic that had to be shared and that you didn't want to necessarily put into the cloud code stuff what about that back end list thing have you guys looked at that at all or used it some of my teammates started looking at it uh, they seemed to like the the uh, you know initial look at it but i don't know how far they got into it their 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 whole home page is looks like it's very dedicated to the migration from parse they've got a big banner on top that's red and they've got this yeah. sign with parse crossed out and then free and back endless on it and it's got all this stuff <laughs> yeah, i feel sorry for the engineers and the content writers that had to work overnight to <laughs> get that up and running <laughs> no. It doesn't look like they worked too hard on the roadside ones. It's possible they already had some something documented where <laughs> customers that outgrew Parse or decided Parse wasn't a good fit for them. A big flag for me on this one is all over on their site is the word free. <laughs> and we've seen what happens there. Well, and it looks like they use Java and PHP as their main things too. So if you have any of the cloud code stuff, you may want to look elsewhere um yeah you lost me at php (laughs) (laughs) personal homepage, sam yeah yeah. pearl (laughs) pearl homepage, or something (laughs) but it may work depending on how you use parse as always do your do your research due diligence and assume that wherever you go it'll get acquired or shut down someday (laughs) in the future yeah, it's like yeah. do you just have that risk out there outstanding or do you or do you do something like self-hosted where you you take on more of the uh, risk later on well, for This is the business <laughs> side of being an app developer. It's it's yep. underst- you know weighing the risk to the business value if it's if uh if you can afford to migrate later on and you save money initially then you know maybe it's a good decision, but if it's going to ruin you, if you had to move off of that environment, that 
provider don't you know you might want to pick someone yeah. else yeah it seems like the pure mobile backend service like we were we keep saying is best for like the early stage anything that's just prototyping because it's really good for that and then maybe some of these like host your own type things are are better for for later on whether that's like a host your own old parse stuff or just write your own custom server side stuff completely yeah yeah well on that note since we have I think we're done commiserating. You guys want to tell us where people can find you on the internet? I'm at AJ Robinson on Twitter. I'm at Alex Argo. And I'm at Sam Quarter. The podcast is at Shared Instance. We also have a Gmail account, Shared Instance Podcast at, at gmail.com. And don't forget to join the Slack. It's We've been getting some good conversations going on in there. And that's chat.sharedinstance.com. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.